One word can make a world of difference. I have seen this in my own life. When, uh, when the referee said, wrestle, uh, my, young, my young mind and body absolutely came alive. That word changed everything. When, uh, when the college admissions departments say uh, accepted, that opened up a whole world of possibilities. When the woman, the only perfect woman, said yes, that, that changed my entire world forever from that moment on. And when I lost the match, when I failed, when I was rejected, there was another word, this one word that was absolutely transformative for me, and that word was son. In my many stumbles and pains over the years, I have often called my parents, and whenever one of my parents speaks the word son, everything changes. I'm suddenly not a loser. I'm not isolated. I belong. I am loved. I am their son. That word son makes all the difference. It is a direct contrast to the idea of being a loser. Matthew chapter 2, we see a very similar contrast, and this one, this one is politically spicy. Um, look at Matthew chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 2, the wise men, featured on this Christmas's time. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. The Magi come from the far east to the ancient Near East city of Jerusalem. And as they arrive, they cause quite a stir, mainly because of their word choices. Look at this. Referring to the son, Jesus, God the son, born in Bethlehem, the Magi call him this word, Basileus. Basileus is your fancy word for today. Boys and girls, on the count of three, you get to say Basileus. One, two, three. Basileus. That was very weak from this part over here. Do you need to play Simon Says? All right, let's try that again. Basileus on the count of three. One, two, three. That was much better. You did, you did much better. Basileus is a word that means the rightful king. It's, um, it's, it's a very important distinction. The Basileus is the one who has the, the direct hereditary connection to the throne. He's the one that is supposed to be there, the true king. Now, in Greek, that word basileus was, was contrasted with another term. This term was used all the time as a contrast to basileus, and that word is tyrannos. What word does that sound like in English, tyrannos? Yeah, tyranny, tyrant, big little-armed dinosaur. It's, um, it, it, it's something that is not good. The, our, our word tyrant comes directly from tyrannos, and tyrannos is a despotic ruler. This is somebody who rules by fiat. He goes outside of the rightful, lawful, hereditary lines. The, the, the Tyrannos is a usurper who does not belong on the throne. Now, this is so cool, so cool. Okay, look, look at the text. Who is clearly named by Matthew? In verse 1, there's only two people named. Only two people. Who are the two people named? Who are they? Jesus and Herod. Okay, that's in verse 1. Then in verse 2, we have the Basileus. Now, remember this. All Hebrew writers get their point across by using parallelism and contrast. Parallelism and contrast, okay? So, according to parallel contrast, in the language of the day, what are the wise men calling Herod? If Jesus is Basileus, what is Herod? He's Tyrannos, right? Do you see that? We have the true king, the Basileus, and then you have this fake usurper, Herod, who, who rules tyrannically. By the way, Matthew only calls him King Herod for sarcasm. Very biting, sarcastic. Now, now, now we like the time today 
to, to really dig into this and see how these words fulfill prophecy, how these words changed everything. But we should note this, note this, Jesus is the son. He is rightly in line to the throne that is promised to David's offspring. He comes to us and he will get rid of, he will supplant all of the tyrants of all time. All God's people said, amen. amen. Words matter. And along with Basileus, there's another very important word, verse 2. Look at the word we translate worship. Proskineo is, is the word we translate worship in verse 2. Proskineo means to, to bow down, to prostrate oneself, not in fear. This is a very specific word. It means to, to bow down in, in gratitude, in appreciation, overwhelmed with thankfulness. Uh, proskineo, that's your second fancy word for the day. Okay, boys and girls, on the count of three, proskineo. One, two, three. Proskineo, very good. Proskineo is a word for amazing gratitude, where you're really grateful for miraculous salvation. It's a really old word. Uh, in fact, it first appears in the ancient poet Homer uh, when, he, when he writes about Odysseus, and he tells this story of how Odysseus bows down and kisses the ground in gratitude when he's miraculously saved from a shipwreck that killed everybody else. Proskineo, he is incredibly grateful. It is, it is an overflowing kind of word. Let me give you a quick teaser. This is a teaser for our lesson that's coming up on, send, on Sunday. Uh, we're going to look at, at this amazing people group, the Massachusetts Indians, and they had a number of phenomenal words in their language. They had a word that is very similar to proskineo. On the count of three. What? I'm kidding. <laughs> It's a really cool, it's a really cool word. What it means is we fall over because of this undeserved goodness. Isn't that cool? That's proskineo. We fall over because of this undeserved goodness. Okay, more on that Sunday. Now back to the wise men. The Magi spoke Greek. You know why? Because that was the accepted language. It'd be like speaking English. It's what you, you use so that pretty much everybody can understand you wherever you go. But this is a very strange word for a bunch of Easterners to use. Proskineo is a wild word choice. Why use it? Why would these non-Hebrews be so excited about a, a Basileus of the Jews, a king of the Jews? Why are they kneeling down in gratitude? Not just like before a king, but they are so grateful. There's only one possible explanation that has any reasonable chance of being true. They must have read Isaiah and very likely the other Jewish prophets. They knew that this this Basileus birth represented salvation from humanity's shipwreck. That's the only possible reason for their use of this term. They saw miraculous salvation in this true Lord who overcomes tyranny. When I was in high school, a great Christian writer named J.I. Packer wrote a book uh, titled The 18 Words, 18 Words, The Most Important Words You Will Ever Know. And as a, as a fairly new Christian teenager, I devoured that book, just loved it. Years later, I was at dinner with Dr. Packer, and I got to tell him about how much that book meant to me, and, and he smiled, and, uh, which he didn't do all that often. He smiled, and he looked at me, and he said, pass the butter. <laughs> True story. That's what he said, and I, and I did, but, but he smiled, which was nice. I think he would also smile at what I'm about to say. I suggest that one more word be added to his list of 18, and that word is worship. Proskineo, incredible gratitude for miraculous salvation. I recently taught a little bit about a remarkable man named Silas. Uh, he and his friend Paul were in jail because of tyranny. 
because of Tyrannos. And while they were imprisoned, God miraculously freed them. The jailer came running in, and the jailer did the most remarkable thing. Look at this, Acts chapter 16. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, the true King, and you will be saved. He fell down trembling. Does that sound familiar? Why would he do that? Because he is incredibly moved by this miraculous salvation. And, to, and, and he starts to bow down before them. But to whom do they point his worship? They point his worship to Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. And this wise man asks, how can he be miraculously set free from this imprisonment, this shipwrecked tyranny that is human life? And what do Paul and Silas say? Here's how you're set free. Read it with me, everybody. Acts 16, verse 31, all together. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. With that in mind, let's pray. Father, I pray for anyone who is, who is enjoying Christmas Eve with us but is not a believer in Jesus. I pray you open their eyes to your miraculous salvation. Friend, listen. You and I deserve the shipwreck that is human life. In fact, we deserve much, much worse because we're sinful and God's holy. And yet, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, the true son, to die on a cross to pay for the sins. Grow up as a child who is God the Son. Become a man. Die on a cross. Pay the only price that could be paid for sin. And then he rose from the dead, conquering everything evil, offering miraculous salvation to anyone who, as Silas said to the jailer, anyone who believes. If you have never done so right now, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Messiah Jesus. And Lord, I pray for all of us who are believers in Jesus here. Whether we've been Christians for a few seconds or many, many, many years. I pray that we will fall down in our hearts. We will bow down in worship because of our miraculous rescue. The Basileus has come. I pray that we will respond by falling down on our knees. In Jesus' name, amen.